Hello, bookworms. Welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and today I'm talking to the owner of Books and Brown Sugar Co., a clothing and accessories company that seeks to amplify black literature. Frankly, I've been really surprised that no one has chosen today's title before. I happen to agree that today's book is one of the best books ever written, without a doubt. I am delighted that Tavian Norris joined me today to talk about why The Mothers by Britt Bennett is the best book ever. Hi, Tavia. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am wearing one of your beautiful shirts. It says Amplify Black Literature in gigantic letters across the chest. It is so soft and comfy. I love it very much. Will you tell my listeners about what it is that you do with your company? Yeah, and you look amazing, by the way, in your shirt. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I know y'all can't see her, but she does. Uh, but yeah, so started Books and Brown Sugar Co. by way of my personal bookstagram. I was just looking for, you know, bookish merch. Um, and I didn't really see anything that spoke to me and uh, my culture. Um, I didn't see anything that I, that, you know, just fit me. And so I was like, well, you know, let me create my own. Um, and so that's kind of how it was birthed. And, you know, the, the goal and the mission is to amplify black literature. That's one of our staple pieces because oftentimes our stories aren't heard, right? Our, um, black literature is not always amplified. Uh, I know in co- or in high school and and really in college, unless I was taking like a black studies class, it wasn't a part. You know, you would in high school you would get a summer reading list, mm-hmm. and um, there would be all kind of Shakespeare. You know, Hamlet. You had to read all of these things, and and never like I didn't read James Baldwin or Toni Morrison until my adult life. Uh, so you know, I just thought that was really important to make sure that we continue to amplify Black literature and make sure, you know, that our voices and our stories are continuing to be told, heard, and seen. Tell me about the things that you offer in your company. Right. So we sell um, shirts, different shirts, um, totes, you know, for book lovers, you go in a bookstore, you need your tote with you so you can fill it up. So we sell <laughs> shirts, totes, um, bookmarks. I create my own bookmarks and the designs I create those as well um we sell mugs you know all the essentials for a reader pretty much yeah um I have a fall lunch coming up where I'm gonna start uh, selling some keychains and hats uh, or beanies so we already have hats but I have beanies coming for the fall so a lot of goodies over there you know I have always thought of myself as a really, really diverse reader. And this was maybe three years ago. And I, and I journal my books Mm -hmm. and I thought, I wonder how many I read. And when I went and looked, I was like, I am not a diverse reader. Mm -hmm. I think I am because I know what's going on in the book industry. And I was stunned by the Mm -hmm. actual numbers. And it was so eye-opening to me that even someone who walks around thinking I read everything from everybody mm-hmm. and I didn't right. and it takes actual work like I 
it is now part of my process when I'm in a bookstore, I will flip or at the library, I flip it over and I look at the author now. Right. And you know, that is even for me, a woman of color, it's something that I have to be conscious of because when you go into a bookstore, the best sellers or the books that they're promoting usually aren't by people of color. So you have to literally be intentional and go to that section to find those books. But sometimes as a reader, we just stumble and say, hmm, like, I'm just going to pick up this. I'm going to pick up this. I think the thing about it is Black stories aren't amplified, right? So we we aren't the ones who are getting the big publishing deals and the big marketing push. Um, There are some authors who are, but when you look in totality, like, many aren't. And so it's something that you just have to be intentional about. But that's even with me because the books that the hot books that they're promoting usually aren't by people of color, but mm-hmm. they're so the marketing is so, you know, present that it makes you want to read it. Right. When you think, yeah. or and then they become movies. When you think of things like the hunger games, like uh, when the, when the uh, fourth one was coming out, like the marketing was great. And it was, they were getting a lot of, uh, eyes on the book but when you think of people of color they don't always have that they don't always have the money to do that and so they're, they're just not seen people don't realize it just because it's just not visible uh-huh. and I think that marketing thing that you're talking about plays into our sense of that we are well read because the person we're going to talk about today Britt Bennett she does get the big pushes and Everybody reads a Brit Bennett book and then we go, we, white people, go, I am super well read. I I read the Mm -hmm. big deal black author book last year, but it was one book out of the however many you read. And it's like that big marketing kind of feeds into our need to think that we're doing our work. And yeah. And, and, you know, that's a problem that I have sometimes with, you know, the, especially when everything was going on with George Floyd, it, sometimes mm-hmm. people can look at like an author like Britt Bennett and say, well, look how well we pushed her. And I read her, like I did my due diligence, you know, it's like a company saying, well, we have two black associates, so we are diverse, <laughs> but you have over 500 employees and those two black associates are entry level. And when you get to the top, it gets yes. less, you know, Wider, and I kind of think that's how it is, even in books. And it's these companies, these publishing companies, they have one or two black authors who they really push and they say, I did my job. But mm-hmm. when you look at how many books that they're promoting and pushing that year, it's probably, you know, you said you read 30%, they're probably not even touching 10% mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with who they're giving book deals to and publicity to. So, yeah. So before we do get into Britt Bennett, tell me about your reading life in general. How did you become such a reader? Yeah, I, I was all, I started as a reader and not out the womb, obviously, but as a kid, <laughs> uh, I was just really quiet and I just, I, I don't know, I was always quiet and I found that I had a very vivid imagination. So when I read books, like I play a movie in my head and I can see Mm -hmm. it. And I've just always been like that. I love to learn. I love to, when I read, like I'm in a different world. And so it was 
an escape for me. That's how I started. And, you know, there have been ebbs and flows of how often I read, depending on what's going on in my life. And I always find that when I'm in a down period, I always kind of circle back to reading. And it's like one of my first loves. And I just kind of feel like I have just a love for books like they never really fail me. I can just disappear. Like it's definitely my self-care. Do you remember a specific time where you really started noticing the absence of Black literature in what you were reading? Or was it when you became adult and you looked back and you went, wait, why did we only read Hamlet? Maybe towards the end of college, Mm. um, I started to notice. In high school, I was always reading. So my dad and me, we would go on dates to like Barnes and Nobles and he would let me pick out two books. And um Oh, that's the cutest thing. Yeah. And I would just pick like just books that either someone recommended or what I seen on the table. I did I didn't I wasn't really socially conscious of what I was reading. I was just reading for the love of it. But after college, I started to really think. Like, man, like I kind of found my way back to reading. And that's when I started to really pick up like Toni Morrison and James Baldwin and Maya Angelou. And I started to think like, wow, like I'm 20 something and I've never read this. Of course, I knew who they were. I knew how important they were to the culture, but I never had read their writings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went home to visit, my parents still had all my books from high school and I looked at them a bunch of Twilight and all kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, I really didn't read a lot of black authors. Um, I did read some, you know, I had a couple of Terry McMillan and things like that, but not much. And I had to really kind of think like, why is that? Like, why, why wasn't that present? And so since then I just have been very intentional about the books I read. And um, yeah, that's kind of how I got here. How? What do you generally read in your free time? What What are your go to genres? Uh, I love second chance romance, like, and not just any role, like second chance. Something about something about circling back around. I don't know. It, maybe it plays a little bit in my life, so I can relate. So mm. um, that's my go to. I also like action. So I, I love like uh, the Hunger Games. That's probably one of my favorite series. Um, and actually, I'm typically, a, I like, I cannot watch the movie first. I have to read the book and then watch the movie. But the Hunger Games was different. So my mom is, a uh, my stepmom is a reader too. And I remember she was telling me about it. And she was like, there's a book out and they put a whole bunch of kids in the arena and they have to fight for their life. And I was like, I don't think I want to read that. <laughs> but I seen the movie and it, I'm watching the movie and I kept thinking, I bet the book is better. Mm. I just kept saying that because, you know, in the book, you can hear what they're thinking, you know, all the minute details. Yeah. And I read the book and I just loved it. So, so some kind of action and second chance romance are my favorites. Listen, everyone gets excited about the start of pumpkin spice season, and then when I point out that the holidays come next, y'all go bananas. But I'm not afraid of you people. I am hard at work on my second annual kids gift giving episode, in which I interview a bunch of young people about books. 
and I would love to talk to your favorite young reader. This was my most popular episode last year, and my favorite to record because kids are the best people. If you know a young person, ages 5 to 20, who would like to tell me about their favorite book, I would really love to talk to them. Go to my website, juliewroteabook.com, and click on the button that says, Be a Guest on the Second Annual Kids YA Gift-Giving Guide. I can't wait to hear from you. Now, back to the show. Do you remember how you first came across the book that we're talking about today, The Mothers by Britt Bennett? I came across The Mothers before I even got on Bookstagram. I didn't Mm -hmm. even know what Bookstagram was at the time. I hadn't even heard of Britt Bennett. I was at Target, and I seen the cover. And the cover was just so pretty. And I was like, man, this looks good. And it was on sale. I still have my little diverse book of the week. <laughs> so because it was a diverse pick, it was like on this own shelf. And the cover kind of drew me. And then I read the back and I was like, okay, well, this looks like something I would like. And I read it and I loved it. And then after that, I started YouTubing and Brit Bennett all her interviews. I I must have watched every interview she did about the book. <laughs> Can you describe what this the plot of this book for people who haven't come across it? <sighs> the mothers, it is really I don't really think it's a coming of age, but it is a relationship that follows three different people for the most part. Um and just their journey of relationships and how it changes. And so throughout the book you know, you start with Nadia and Luke, and then you transfer to Nadia and Aubrey, and then you transfer to Aubrey and Luke, and then it just circles back around. And it's just such a beautiful story written of relationships and how they change and how experiences and moments can change them forever. I was thinking as you were describing your book the the books that you like and the romances that you like are second chances. And I it was kind of clicking into place because to me, this book is all about second and third chances, not just mm-hmm. romance, although there is romance in it, but second chances at every relationship throughout these yeah. three people's lives. And it is so, I, there's just such a sweetness to this book, as sad as it can be. There is this beautiful sweetness of people trying to reconnect. Yeah. Whatever relationship you pull from it, you can see that. Oh, and one thing that I loved about the book, let me see if I can find it. Uh, When they were talking about Aubrey and Luke being together and they were saying they were together, but not quite so the way you can fix a hole in a worn pair of pants, but they never look new. And that, to Mm. me, was kind of like encompassing of the book, like, you know, fixing things. But you can tell that it's not quite new. It's just a beautiful story. For second chances, it's beautiful. I literally get lost in her writing, feeling like I'm there. Like, it is so beautiful. And it feels like every word has a hidden meaning. Every sentence, you can relate to something. I don't feel like there was any fillers. Sometimes I read and I'm like, okay, I can probably skip this and not miss anything. (laughs) But in this book, I feel like every sentence meant something. There was some kind of relation. It was, it was really beautiful. And, and 
what do you think about the relationship between the two primary women, Aubrey and Nadia? So let me back up a little bit. So their relationship, I feel like they were looking at each other and there were some assumptions of perfection, right? So Mm. I think Nadia was kind of looking at Aubrey because she had um, the first lady's ear, right? She would look at her going to her office and be kind of jealous. And in the book, she says, how dare she wear those sunflower shoes, you know? And I think Nadia saw a sense of innocence in Aubrey that she was jealous of because mm-hmm. at this time her innocence I feel had been taken from her after mm-hmm. she had um, her abortion and she saw an innocence in Aubrey that she kind of longed for and I think Aubrey saw a sense of ambition in Nadia and and she kind of longed for that because you know Aubrey mm-hmm. was a little bit more timid so I think in the beginning it kind of came their friendship was kind of like, who is this girl? Mm-hmm. Right. Because in some way they both were abandoned by their mother um, or by uh, Luke for Nadia. And so they started to bond over that and really grow into a friendship, which I could feel like in my soul. Like I felt like I was the third best friend to them. Like you could, you could see them just falling in love in a platonic friendship mm-hmm. way. And there was a sense of understanding and freeness in their friendship. You know, the hard part of that is as life goes on, when Nadia goes uh, goes away and Aubrey finds meaning in other things and, and she comes back. And then I think a lot happens in their friendship, but it is, it's so hard because it's so hard to talk about it without giving it away for one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think that things happen in their friendship that actually has nothing to do with Aubrey. I don't think she really meant to hurt Aubrey. Mm-hmm. I think she had a lot of pain with Luke that was unresolved that had nothing to do with Aubrey. I don't think she ever knew that Aubrey and Luke would ever get together. And I think it was very selfish, but I think partly Nadia needed that to heal, you know, that moment with Luke for healing. Um, but that moment of healing forever changed her relationship with Aubrey. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the book, it doesn't really say how they ended, but we can tell, like it says, things were not quite new. You know, like a sewn patch and pants, you can tell things were different. And, but I don't think that's a test to how much Nadia really loved Aubrey. I think the situation with her and Luke was independent, even though they were all intertwined. And I also love that she didn't turn these two women into a, you know, yeah. girl on girl fight. You know, yeah. that's not interesting. Even, even their confrontation, which I have been waiting on, like, because, you know, it's coming. Right. Mm-hmm. And Aubrey had known all along. And even the confrontation, I felt. I could feel right. I could feel it off the pages of how. Aubrey felt and I, it didn't it just it felt hurt you know I mm-hmm. felt the hurt yes um, leaking off the pages um and it did it didn't feel like maybe some of the stuff you would see on reality tv or anything like that it felt like real life like man I love you I love you but I'm hurt deeply hurt yeah, yeah it's so complex mm-hmm. now you said um 
Uh, I was reading the review that you left of this book on your bookstagram account um, a while back, probably mm-hmm. uh, maybe the first time you read it. And um, you specifically said that what you like so much is that you saw so much of yourself in this book. Is oh, that yeah. because of the female friendships? May I ask? Yeah. So honestly, it's because of everything. Mm. Um, so I really relate to Nadia. Um, her mother, you know, we and I'll just start from the beginning with her mother and feeling abandoned. Uh, that's kind of the re- dynamics between me and my mom. Uh, there are many times where I felt abandoned by her. Um, now, the reasoning maybe fits more with Aubrey. You know, my mother and my father were divorced, and my mom often chose other men over me. Um, and eventually, I went to live with my dad. And so in that way, I could understand some of the moments with Nadia and her father. And then her ambition and coming from a small town, you know, that's how I always fit. I always felt like very ambitious and like, I want to get out of this small town. Mm. Uh, so I could really relate. And then also her relationship with Luke and the summer they had before she went to college. So I um, had a boyfriend in high school and we had a very whirlwind romance. Uh, we met in physics class and we just fell deeply in love. And I went to college and things just, they didn't fizzle out, but we ended up breaking up after my first year of college. And then I I went on with my life and I met my husband and, and all of these things. But sometimes if I were a writer, I would write it in this book because sometimes I feel like I go back to that summer and and there's a moment in the book where she says she's with Luke and she can feel the years shedding off for her. She can feel the moments where he doesn't know Aubrey yet. She doesn't know Aubrey yet. She's unpregnant as she calls it. And she feels like herself. And sometimes I think like now I have a kid, I have a husband, I've, Went to college. I lived a lot of life, but there was something so pure and innocent about that summer. And so when I read this book, I could feel what Nadia felt for Luke. And that's how I know in the moment when she did the terrible thing of sleeping with her best friend's husband, I could I knew that it was a moment of healing that she needed. Sometimes as adults, so much life can happen to us. And we don't realize in those moments of youngness how we didn't really have much to worry about for the most part, you know? And especially as women, we take on so much. And I think sometimes it's not like the high school boyfriend. It's not even wanting to be young. It's just a period where before you were a mother, before you were a wife, before you were a businesswoman, you were just you. And that's associated usually to maybe a time or place. And sometimes it can be a person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's how I look at it. I don't always think it's the person. Sometimes I think it's maybe the the moment y'all created, the emotion that you're searching for, whether it's freeness or healing or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you reread frequently? Um, I don't 
the book would have to really blow me away um, or be one of my favorites. Um, this one I have read three times. Uh-huh. Uh, and it is one of my favorites, maybe number, maybe number two. Um, but I don't often reread unless the book is just so dynamic and complex to where I can read. Because there are parts in this book that I, you know how you watch a movie and you see something new every time or something like that. It was kind of like that. But some books, if I start to reread it and I already know what it's going to be said in my head, I'm anticipating the next thing, I'll probably put it down. Um, Because some books just aren't that complex (laughs) when they're written. Um, And some authors prefer it that way, and that's fine. Um, But I don't really reread those because I usually can just remember and anticipate what's going to happen, what they're saying. But this Mm. book, and it had been a few years in between the rereads, and I knew the big parts, but there were intricate details that I had forgot. So, And then also... With rereading, I think it depends on where I'm at in my life. So when I reread this one, it hit a little different just because of what I was going through personally. So mm-hmm. if I'm going through something personally, I'll pick up something that I know is around of the time of what I'm dealing with. And, you know, it has I have a different perspective at that point. Mm. Tavia, what are you reading these days? What's on your nightstand? So right now I'm reading Seven Days in June. What's that? Um, so Seven Days in June, it is, it's really been a very popular book on my bookstagram feed. That's actually where I, where I get a lot of my book recommendations now on bookstagram. Mm-hmm. But it's by Tia Williams. It's actually, um, I think it's going to be made into a movie. And I think this is maybe her second book but it's again another second chance at love and it's about these two uh authors who were um in a relationship before and they were in love but they broke up but they've been secretly communicating through their writings of their novels um and they circle back around to each other and so I'm in the very beginning but it's a great book so far and I think that it is so popular because it was a uh, recent uh, one of Reese Witherspoon's books. Oh, okay. Picks. Okay. So I think that's why I have been seeing it. Um, and it is also by a woman of color. Uh, and so yeah, so that's what I got. I saw it. It kept coming up on my timeline, and I love Second Chance, so I just bought it, and I'm still in the early stages of it. And so far, so good. Yeah, so far, so good. That would make a good movie. I want to know when The Mothers is going to be a movie, because wouldn't that be? Yes. And honestly, you know, with The Mothers, I think The Mothers really should be like a series with episodes. Yes. Because just the, and this is why like Brit is forever the GOAT, because you start with, you really start with Nadia and her, and her mother, right? Mm -hmm. That leads into her father. That's the, that would to me be an episode. Mm-hmm. And then you go into her and Luke, and then you that that's episode by itself, maybe even two, and then you go into her and Aubrey, and then she leaves, and you go into Aubrey and Luke, right? And then you go back to Luke and Nadia, 
and then they all from there they all intertwine right right because now aubrey is finding out about luke and nadia and then but she's also uh nadia is also home with her father mm-hmm. and then luke is there so now like you have these separate moments of you exploring the relationships and then at the end they all kind of are in intertwined so i think it would be a perfect series that imagine if there were an episode of when she comes back to her father after he's been injured and they're sort of reconciling but like you said it's it's patched it's never quite god that would be mm-hmm. so yeah. bittersweet and tragic and wonderful yeah i that think such a good idea if this was a series the part that would probably be most heartbreaking is um, Aubrey confronting Nadia. Mm-hmm. That would probably be a, a really hard episode to watch because in the book, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, she's not facing her. Nadia comes out. I think she was coming out the shower and she was like, hey, you know, why didn't you let me know you were here? And she just asked her, but never facing her. Mm-hmm. So hurt and distraught that she can't even look at it. Like, I just, oh. My chest would be just so good. All right, Hollywood executives, I know you're listening. (laughs) We need to make this happen. Yes. Will you please tell my listeners where they can find you and your work? Yes. So thank you for having me. I really enjoy talking about this book. It is one of my favorites. Um, So if you want to see what I'm reading, um, and what I've read before, you can follow me at Books and Brown Sugar. Um, if you want to get some of our merch, uh, then you can go to booksandbrownsugar.co on Instagram for both of those. And then our website is booksandbrownsugarco.com if you want to purchase. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. And this is not sponsored, but I have some of her products and I love them. So I can personally vouch for them and keep an eye on my Instagram because we will be doing a Books and Brown Sugar giveaway next week. So keep a close eye on that. Tavia, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you will come back anytime you you have a book you want to talk to me about because it's been really fun talking to you. Yes, thank you. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for listening, bookworms. For more information on this episode and links to all the books we discussed, please go to our website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at bestbookeverpodcast. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and you can find me everywhere as Julie wrote a book. Remember, whenever you're book shopping, help support indie bookstores and this podcast by using my affiliate link at bookshop.org slash shop slash best book ever. Bookshop's mission is to support local independent bookstores. And if you shop using my link, I get a small percentage of your purchase at no extra expense to you. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you at the library.